Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the second Sunday of Advent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, may no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son. But may our learning of heavenly wisdom gain us admittance to his company, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. A shoot springs from the stock of Jesse, a sign thrusts from his roots. On him the Spirit of the Lord rests, a spirit of wisdom and insight, a spirit of counsel and power, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is his breath. He does not judge by appearances. He gives no verdict to his say, but judges the wretched with integrity, and with equity gives a verdict for the poor of the land. His word is a rod that strikes the ruthless. His sentences bring death to the wicked. Integrity is the loincloth around his waist, faithfulness the belt about his hips. The wolf lives with the lamb, the panther lies down with the kid, calf and lion feed together, with a little boy to lead them. The cow and the bear make friends, the young lie down together, the lion eats straw like the ox, the infant place over the cobra's hole. Into the viper's lair, the young child puts his hand. They do not hurt, no harm, on all my holy mountain. For the country is filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters swell the sea. That day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. It will be sought out by the nations, and its home will be glorious. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. O God, give your judgment to the king, to a king's son your justice, that he may judge your people in justice and your poor in right judgment. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. In his days, justice shall flourish and peace till the moon fails. He shall rule from sea to sea, from the great river to earth's bounds. Justice shall flourish in his time and fullness of peace forever. For he shall save the poor when they cry, and the needy who are helpless. He will have pity on the weak, and save the lives of the poor. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. May his name be blessed forever, and endure like the sun. Every tribe shall be blessed in him, all nations bless his name. Justice shall flourish in his time, 
and fullness of peace forever. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Everything that was written long ago in the scriptures was meant to teach us something about hope from the examples scripture gives of how people who did not give up were helped by God. And may he who helps us when we refuse to give up help you all to be tolerant with each other. Following the example of Christ Jesus so that united in mind and voice you may give glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It can only be to God's glory, then, for you to treat each other in the same friendly way as Christ treated you. The reason Christ became the servant of circumcised Jews was not only so that God could faithfully carry out the promises made to the patriarchs, it was also to get the pagans to give glory to God for his mercy, as scripture says in one place, For this I shall praise you among the pagans, and sing to your name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. All people shall see the salvation of God. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. In due course, John the Baptist appeared. He preached in the wilderness of Judea, and this was his message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. This was the man the prophet Isaiah spoke of when he said, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight. This man John wore a garment made of camel hair, with a leather belt round his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole Jordan district made their way to him, and as they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, they confessed their sins. But when he saw a number of Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to fly from the retribution that is coming. But if you are repentant, produce the appropriate fruit, and do not presume to tell yourselves, We have Abraham for our father, because I tell you, God can raise children for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is laid to the roots of the trees, so that any tree which fails to produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown on the fire. I baptise you in water for repentance. But the one who follows me is more powerful than I am, and I am not fit to carry his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan in his hand he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn in a fire that will never go out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
Well, we can probably think of John the Baptist as the voice of Advent. He's the one who prepares for the coming of the Lord. Uh, In fact, that's kind of his whole job. When John the Baptist was born, his father Zechariah praised God with beautiful words of adoration. He said this, he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has visited his people and redeemed them. And then he looks to his newborn son and he says, And you, little child, you shall be called a prophet of God the Most High. You shall go ahead of the Lord to prepare his ways before him, to make known to his people their salvation through forgiveness of all their sins, the loving kindness of the heart of our God who has visited us like the dawn from on high. Beautiful words of prophecy. John the Baptist, indeed, the prophet of God the Most High. And he stands at the very turning point between the Old and the New Testament. And in this respect, he's like the greatest of the prophets. He's the culmination of all the prophets. And curiously, that's where the camel hair and the leather belt and the locusts and the honey really sort of come in. Because that's what Elijah wore. I mean, for us, if we saw someone wearing a camel skin and eating locusts, um, we might be tempted to cross the street and pass by on the other side. Uh, And yet, we see the exact opposite happening with the people of Judea. We hear that everyone from the district is actually going to see him on purpose. They're looking for him. He's out in the middle of nowhere and they're walking to go see, to go hear and to go be baptised. There's a last little appendix in the prophet Malachi, uh, and it said this, it said, Know that I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before my day comes, that great and terrible day. He shall turn the hearts of fathers towards their children and the hearts of children towards their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a curse. Uh, And that gave rise to the expectation that the coming of the Messiah would in fact be heralded by Elijah. And now John the Baptist, he's looking a whole lot like Elijah. No wonder they're intrigued. No wonder they want to hear what this herald, this voice crying out in the wilderness, is proclaiming. And later again in Matthew's Gospel... um, You know, John the Baptist has been imprisoned by Herod Antipas, uh, and and he sends some of his disciples to Jesus, you know, just to just to see what Jesus is up to and, and ask the question, are you the one who is to come? You know, have I been proclaiming for the right guy? And Jesus sends the disciples of John the Baptist back to him with the instructions, look, go tell him what you see that the blind are seeing, that the lame are walking and the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are hearing and the dead are rising from their graves. In other words, go tell John that I'm doing the work of the Messiah. But then there's this beautiful moment where Jesus turns to the crowd and then asks them about John. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze? No? Then what did you go out to see? A man wearing fine clothes? Oh no. 
those who wear fine clothes are to be found in palaces. Then what did you go out for? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. He is the one of whom Scripture says, Look, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare your way before you. And then have a listen to this high praise from Jesus. He says, I tell you solemnly, of all the children born of women, a greater than John the Baptist has never been seen. Ha! Now don't take Jesus quite so literally here because Jesus himself is the greatest born of woman. (laughs) But we get his point, right? And then the Lord finishes like this. He says, it was towards John that all the prophecies of the prophets and of the law were leading. And he, if you will believe me, is the Elijah who was to return. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. Isn't it great when Jesus interprets scripture for us? All the prophets were pointing towards John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was pointing towards Jesus. The messenger who was to prepare the way. The one who was to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of heaven. The voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord and making his paths straight. Zechariah said it to his infant child, you shall go ahead of the Lord to prepare his ways before him. And now Jesus points at what John the Baptist has done and has said he has prepared the way. And so he really is the voice of Advent. But I suppose it does beg the question, well, if John the Baptist was preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, isn't his job now done? I mean, surely once Jesus takes the stage in his public ministry, John's pretty much finished, right? This message of repentance and preparing the way for the Lord, you know, well, isn't it accomplished now? Well, not really. I mean, the church places John the Baptist before us every Advent and presents him as this voice of Advent because the reality is Jesus is always at the point of arriving for each one of us. Yes, he was born of the Virgin. He suffered, died and rose from the dead nearly 2,000 years ago. But Christ is always coming into my heart and into my life. And so the message of John the Baptist is also for me. I I need to conform my heart evermore to Christ. And so John the Baptist is speaking to me when he says, Repent, the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Yes, the Lord has come into history. But if he is to come into my heart, I too must repent. All those ways in which I turn away from him. Those little acts of disobedience. Resisting God's will and preferring my own. All of these crooked paths need to be made straight. And in this way, we receive a new spirit, a new heart. One that is docile and obedient. Ready to welcome the Lord into every aspect of our lives. 
There's no question that John the Baptist was preaching to the people of the first century of Judea and making them ready to receive the Messiah. But he's also preaching to us that we may receive the coming of the Saviour with our hearts. The Lord's advent is also today. And so we too need to make straight the paths of the Lord. And he gives us a pretty good whack across the head. We hear about these Pharisees and Sadducees who come to John the Baptist. And you know what? We need to imagine that that's us. Because, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the ones who were serious about religion, serious about their faith. Uh, And he warns them. He warns them, firstly, against presumption. There was a risk in presuming that one was righteous because... He was a child of Abraham. I belong to the chosen race. And I suppose for us, the danger is presuming that I'm righteous because I'm Catholic. I go to Mass. Of course I'm in right relationship with God. But John the Baptist reminds us, he says, you can't take for granted your own acceptability to God on the mere basis of being baptised. No, no. We must each prepare a way for the Lord. God can raise up sons of Abraham from these very stones. So where's your heart really at? It's a pretty sobering beginning. And so we get that instruction again. Repent. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. And if you notice, like it's the same thing that Jesus says at the beginning of his public ministry. He says, the time's fulfilled. The kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This word repentance for both John the Baptist and Jesus uh, is uh, a Greek word. You've probably heard this before. It's the word metanoiete, which comes from the conjunction of two Greek words, meta, which means beyond, and nous, which means mind. To repent then means to go beyond the mind that we presently have, to see things differently, to change our outlook, our attitude. And if we examine ourselves, then I suppose so often the self is the prism through which we judge things. How's something good for me? Or how was I inconvenienced? What was the difficulty that I had to suffer? The self is so often the yardstick by which we measure things by. And yet, we're asked by John the Baptist to see the world anew. To see the world from the standpoint of God. And his will. Perhaps that becomes the lens through which I'm to evaluate the world. God's will. If I suffer a difficulty or endure some pain, well, is that a sign that things have gone wrong? Or did I actually manage to accomplish something for God? If I were to encounter someone on the street... How's this part of God's providence? 
If I attain some success or victory, how does that contribute to the building up of the kingdom of God? The world as it strikes me, is it something that I consider only from my own standpoint? Or do I see my day-to-day experience as a generous response to what God is asking from me? A repentant person is able to see reality not merely from the perspective of the self, but from the perspective of God. The kingdom of heaven is indeed at hand. But I need to have this conversion of mind and heart in order to be able to place God at the centre instead of just finding myself at the centre of my life. And so when the people come to John the Baptist and they experience this conversion, they're driven to confess their sins. They confront who they are and how they've fallen short. And so in the same way, John the Baptist calls us into the desert, into the wilderness, in order to see ourselves and to strip away any unnecessary distractions and to attack the delusions that we may have come to believe about ourselves. The Messiah indeed is coming, and he has his winnowing fan in his hand, as John the Baptist says. That winnowing fan which separates the substantial, fruitful wheat from the empty, weightless, fruitless chaff. So we're given the words of John the Baptist, repent. Go beyond our present mindset and see through the perspective of God. Because in this way, we prepare for the coming of the Lord. Thanks for praying with us and may God bless you abundantly so that this day may give glory to God the Father.